0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. This is Scott Box and these are your headlines. Credit Suisse warns it expects a fourth quarter loss of up to one and a half billion Swiss francs as the troubled lender puts its radical restructure and capital raising plans to a shareholder vote. Markets look to rally into the Thanksgiving holiday with US majors closing a percent higher across the board as investors search for signals in today's Fed minutes.
1: The EU proposes a gas price cap of 275 euros per megawatt hour as the bloc looks to stem a winter crisis. But Greece's energy minister tells CNBC the level is too high.
2: A price cap at uh, the levels that uh, the Commission is proposing is not, in fact, a price cap. So a price cap at 275 euro uh, is not a price cap.
3: And lawyers lifting the lid on collapsed crypto exchange FTX at its bankruptcy hearing amid allegations of missing assets and fatal mismanagement from Sam Bankman-Fried.
0: Oh, so, very good morning, everybody. Good, nice good, good, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, it was lovely. Nice to have, nice to have a Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> nice to have a Tuesday off. I'm basically, I'm just burning through the leave that I've got to take before the end of the a year. Lot. It's been such a difficult year to take time off, hasn't it? Have you noticed that? No. Have you not noticed it has.
1: that? it's been incredibly busy, right? Very, very busy. it back, back And, to and, back and back it. it just
0: goes on, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, Credit Suisse is this story that just continues to give in terms of dominating the headlines for for the markets. It's just awful for the
3: investors, though, isn't it? I mean, they've got this new investment potentially coming, which you're going to talk about in a few moments time, but they just keep ladling out huge vats full of bad news.
0: It, it's big dollops of disappointment, quite right, frankly, for, for everyone. There's the headline. There's Credit Suisse dollops. dollops disappointment <laughs> on <laughs> investors. It's, I'm not, it's not the one I'd probably like to end my career on, but it is a, <laughs> it is a headline. I mean, is it look, accurate? Uh, it is accurate. Yeah. I mean, here we are, we're going into an EGM today where the bank is asking shareholders to vote on all of the latest restructuring plans. Mm. You know, we've we've practically lost count of how many restructuring programs we've actually had at Credit Suisse over uh, the last decade or so. But here we are, we're waiting on a, a big vote that would see four billion injected into the business, two and a half billion of that coming from the Saudi National Bank, which has caused some controversy uh, back in Switzerland. And, and we kick off the morning with the bank giving us an update on current trading conditions that actually doesn't make great reading if you are a shareholder. So Credit Suisse expecting a fourth quarter net loss of up to one and a half billion Swiss francs. Now this is all part of the update for shareholders, uh, effectively, on uh, tradings that goes into this vote. The uh, group also says they've continued to be impacted by outflows. So the investment bank impacted by substantial industry-wide slowdown in capital markets and reduced activity in sales and trading business. Well of course um, this is a a part of the business that Credit Suisse is moving away from as it continues the restructuring to focus on wealth management and uh, personal banking services and the the Swiss bank but effectively this one and a half billion uh, Swiss franc loss will not be well received. The group has also talked about net asset outflows of six percent of assets under management here and um, effectively it just indicates that um, currently this is uh, an organization that is suffering I think from both the self-inflicted wounds which if effectively are the result of some strategic confusion in the business um, going forward. But obviously, it's also um, being hurt at the moment by the, the cycle for investment. Just banking. a quick question again. And then I'll, this uh, question and a statement, I'm, I'm
3: kind of a, they want to be a massive wealth manager. That's where they're going to park a lot of their, their assets now once they've sold off other bits, yes?
0: Right, right.
3: But wealth management's going in the wrong direction. Outflows approximately 10% of assets under management at the end of the third quarter, as you're yep. saying. Likely to see loss for the wealth management in the fourth quarter. Wealth management outflows, though, and have substantially reduced from the elevated level in the first two weeks of October. But they're going up against Julius Baer. They're going up against UBS. They're going up against a load of other people who do not have this catalogue of other issues that Credit Suisse is trying to work itself through. The others aren't just going to roll over and say, oh, look, Credit Suisse is reinventing themselves. Let them have a share of our market. I think it's going to be a dogfight. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to find a reason for these shares to rally. I'm trying to find a reason to say to people they traded a massive discount to the rest of the sector. A massive discount to Julius Baer, a massive discount to UBS. But they're a really interesting value proposition because at 0.27 price to book, that is as cheap as a bank gets in Europe pretty much. And I can't see that proposition at the moment when I see an outlook like that.
1: Something we said several months ago, is this the end of the bad news? And clearly it wasn't. And that's the point we sit at today. We're still questioning whether this is the extent of the bad news. So there is no faith at this point that we've had a kitchen sinking experience. And for me, one of the lines here that really jumps out in this dollop of uh, you know bad news that continues to cross is that yeah. uh, Credit Suisse Bank has fallen below certain legal entity level regulatory requirements. I mean, that is the one that jumps out to me as a real headline uh, act here. I mean, you've got outflows, that's to be expected because we've seen it been such a torturous journey. Who would leave their money with the bank and uh, why isn't there a crisis of confidence clearly that's happening with a a lot of investors at this point to those who would have parked funds with credit Suisse, they're just taking their funds elsewhere but it's that line that is crossing around the regulatory requirements here that jumps out to me
0: yeah well it's i mean you've 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 both mentioned it and it is related to the ongoing problems that there is a, a perceived reputational uh, risk now about um, ongoing banking activities with, with Credit Suisse. It seems at this stage. I uh, will mention the China business as well, because you know, just a few years ago, the bank's ambition was to dramatically grow its business operations in China and obviously you know you focus on maybe the investment banking opportunity but also the the downstream benefit of being a headline Swiss bank in that market it will attract high net worth individuals to the bank and then you can pass them on and make money from fee income the announcement that they're also cutting headcount now in China Mm. will again I think, spark a little bit of confusion. Yes, I think those 25 investment bank positions are going as part of the broader restructuring we're seeing in the investment banking operation. But inevitably, there will be those who look at it and say, well, actually, what does it mean now about your ambition towards that part of the world where we know that in recent years they've been growing a lot of millionaires? Yeah, right, but voice. it is a recovery story, and we've got plenty more in this story? Uh, we, we've got a couple of guests coming up yes. through the course of the, the morning, so don't go away. We will talk in detail about where Credit Suisse goes from here.
3: Including to Vincent Kaufman, I believe, yeah, yeah, the yeah, CEO yeah, okay. we, your, actually, don't Ethos don't Foundation the that they're okay. coming up at
0: 7.30 CET. Brilliant. I didn't know if you wanted to read it or not. Well, I, I, you know, I thought we were in a hurry to get to the markets. but Well, paranormal. I don't know, I don't yeah. know Rod. Are you in a hurry, Rod? Shall I run?
3: No. I don't think I can run. Okay, I was I'll, I'll hearing, do it, gentlemen. Oh, Just guests, negotiate, guests waiting, camera two. Medium. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Um, right, OK. Uh, the U.S. markets rallied very solidly yesterday. Uh, we've got some nice charts for you, so we'll just go through this as well. A lot of concern out there, of course, and a lot of uh, people, and I was reading Morgan Stanley's uh, piece again recently, they think there's another trough to come before the real rally because um, we've got to appreciate the fact that there are recessionary concerns. There are interest rate concerns still. With rising rates, albeit at a slower rate potentially. There are concerns about an earnings recession not being factored into the price just yet. But we've seen some interesting moves on these markets, and um, the team have put together um, the moves on this one. But I should point out 4,000 on the SP. Uh, let's have a look at that since uh, September. 12th as well so that's uh, where we were last there we've had the trough down as well as i say the trough got to what three five and a, and a little bit more but there are those who believe we need to be down to three to three thousand three hundred i think that's mike wilson uh, at morgan stanley apologies if not i believe it is before we have a, a real rally as well so are we going to see a seasonal rally which basically means that that's it now we've had the low in or have we got another trough to come before then we get a rally when we have more clarity later in the year? Isn't that the old adage, Uh, pay more to know more as well? I think it's a very worthy adage at that as well. Let's move on and take a look at the NASDAQ as well. Again, solid rally there, 1.4% higher to 11,174, but still down the best part of 30% over a one-year period, still 31% off its record high levels. The peak, uh, as uh, producer David was telling me this morning, was 16,212, uh, pretty much, on the- one year ago, he's, he's he's. even feeding me more information. Where I love it. It's like being on broadcast news. If anyone hasn't seen that movie, what a what a winner that movie is. Uh, let us move on and take a look at the treasuries as well. Uh, 3.76 on the ten. Oh, great day for data because you got you got your, your Turkey Day tomorrow, America. You got Thanksgiving. So let me just tell you about the data. There's a vast amount coming today. Some of it's very important. Some of it less so. Mortgage applications, durable goods orders, initial jobless claims. S&P uh, PMIs, University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment, new home sales, and the cherry on the icing on the cake, the FOMC minutes as well. So there is a lot to contend with if you're in the treasuries or if you're looking at the dollar as well. So the dollar crosses, uh, 103.24 on the euro dollar. Uh, pounds still a parity. Sorry, is that joke ever going to get boring? It is for all of you, apart from me. Uh, 119, give or take the change. Dollar year, 141.38, And the dollar yuan, Oh, seven point one five. 7.15. Uh, and as I just mentioned, Karen, the Fed will release its minutes from its November meeting.
1: Indeed, uh, that is coming up, but uh, that's on the diary for later on today. Investors will be watching for insight into rate hiking plans ahead of the central bank's crucial meeting next month. The Fed approved a fourth consecutive 75 basis point rate increase at its last meeting, saying that inflation remained elevated. October's data showed a moderation in pricing pressures, with CPI rising by 7.7% below forecasts. Now, hawkish calls from the Fed speakers uh, continue ahead of the next decision on the 14th of December. Kansas City Fed President Esther George said that central banks uh, or the central bank may need to raise rates higher and keep them there for longer in order to moderate demand. Cleveland Fed President Loretta Mester reiterated that getting inflation under control remains the number one priority. Let's get to Carl Weinberg, who is Chief Economist at High Frequency Economics. Carl, there's a lot in the diary. We've got the minutes later on. We're also counting down to the CPI read on the 13th of December. Then the day after that, we do get that Fed decision. What jumps out to you now as we've had a lot of words that have been bandied out around a pivot, a pause and now moderating as we watch the situation in China?
4: Yes. Good morning, Karen. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes. Pivot to pause. That's the question. You know, we're going to be reading the minutes very carefully this afternoon to see what they were talking about at the last FOMC meeting in terms of uh, terminal rate. Is it time to be worried about going too far? Uh, Is it time to think about slowing, not stopping, but slowing the pace of monetary tightening? Uh, These minutes are going to get a lot of attention today.
1: Carl, we keep hearing that this is a Fed that's going to be data-driven, data-dependent. Do we have enough data at this point to suggest that we're getting anywhere near close to a pause?
4: Well, you know, we've got a lot of data. The problem is the data is all over the map. So if you're data-driven, you don't really know uh, which way to go. We've got a lot of positive signals that are showing that the U.S. economy is still quite strong, that there's no imminent recession anywhere in the data. That's good news. But then we have worrying things coming in the data as well for and question marks that will be resolved even in numbers today. Like in the durable goods uh, figures, you know, the core uh, orders and shipments numbers went down the last time for the first time in a while. Will that continue? Was that just a blip or is that the uh, start of of a new trend? Jobless claims have been holding up really Strong. We're expecting that will continue, but that would be one of the first things that might break ahead of the sign of the economy going the other way. So lots of data uh, coming up. Ex- consumer expectations, very, very weak at this point in time. Uh, things like home sales, car sales, very, very, very soft but then we have all these other strong things going on, like overall retail sales. So data-driven does not necessarily imply clarity of vision for the Fed at this particular moment.
0: Uh, Carl, can I ask you about shelter in particular? Um, Jeremy Siegel, who who you will know well, of course, from uh, the Wharton School, um, argues very vociferously that actually uh, prices for, for rental and for purchasing in the American housing market now is negative or is heading Uh, in the opposite direction to that uh, which appears in the Fed's data at the moment and that the Fed actually should already be thinking about, um, if not pausing, then when the first cut in rates will come. Do you have any sympathy at all with his position?
4: Well, I I think that housing prices are falling, construction uh, costs, uh, construction activity is going down, mortgage applications are way, way, way down. You know, we're getting every signal that high interest rates are doing what they're supposed to do. Now, the question is, how does the Fed react to that? All right, if things were going well and the Fed were standing still and the housing market were to go in a slump, they might consider softening their position. They might, all right, remembering again, that housing is only one segment of the entire economy. But when they're actually trying to slow the economy and a soft housing market and falling rental prices, things like that, that's what they're trying to achieve. So I think that's seen from the point of view of the FOMC right now, sitting on top of the mountain and looking down, these signs of weakness in the economy are signs that their policy is doing what it's supposed to be doing and not necessarily that they're failing.
0: Um, Can I pivot briefly, Um, Carl? You've written a very interesting note about uh, your concerns around the release in sovereign bonds from collateral at the ECB to the banks. Just explain why this is causing you some concern and what do you think it implies for the outlook for, for both the banks and for rates in Europe?
4: Well, good. I'm so glad you asked that question, Jeff, because so many people are ignoring this. The ECB's changes in its interest rate on uh, bond repurchases, all right, that's where they uh, lend money to the banking system and take bonds as collateral. Well, uh, they've issued over two trillion euros worth of that, and they just raised the rate from zero to two percent. Banks have the option today to pay some of that back and to avoid the 2% rate, and they've signaled already almost 300 billion euros worth of redemptions. Now, those redemptions will bring down bank reserves, and that won't affect things much because banks have plenty of excess reserves to go around right now. But there'll be roughly 300 billion euros worth of new bonds suddenly taken out of the ECB's collateral lockbox and available on the market for trading today. It's not assured that every one of them will come up for sale, but let's think about it. Is a bank inclined to hold on to an asset like a bond whose price has been going down? So my concern is that we're going to see a 300 billion euro increase in the supply of bonds in the markets today when the markets open and it'll be sudden. And I'm not so sure that bond prices uh, can be resilient to that. I'm looking for bond prices to go down and for yields to go up as a result of this and wait for it there's more coming all right there's another 150 billion euros coming in two more maturity dates in december and march and then in june of next year there's 1.2 trillion in uh securities coming due as well every one of them will release collateral to the markets there's a huge what i call stealthy qt sqt uh process going on at the ecb And they'll actually be selling bonds to the market faster than the Fed is selling bonds with its QT program.
3: It's nice to find something we're on the same page about. But the problem is, every time I've worried about the European bond market, every time I've thought this just cannot be sustained with the vast amount of issuance and these huge debt to GDPs and these deficits as well, they find another way of absorbing that extra supply as well. I mean, the doom loop between the banks and the sovereigns and the ECB, it's as alive and well as ever, isn't
4: it? Well, you'd want to think that they'd had some background plan for absorbing this excess liquidity, uh, but right now, I'm not quite sure what that is. All right, They have raised their rates on repos, and by raising rates, they've induced banks to want to get cash back and to stop paying these higher interest rates on reserves that they don't need. I don't see where the escape hatch is, but I agree with you, Steve. The ECB has been very successful in pulling the rabbit out of the hat. We'll find out later today whether they have a plan in mind or some kind of scheme in mind or what they know that we don't that makes all of this a safe idea for the buy market today.
3: Um, it's gone unnoticed by many, but not by me. I don't know about you as well. The IIF have put out my favourite piece of research every quarter, which is their Global Debt Monitor as well, that said the high interest rates, uh, interest rates are weighing on issuance as global debt edged lower uh, to some 220, 290 trillion US dollars, lower than the previous peak. Uh, but there are still concerns about issuance and the ability to issue given higher rates now. A- any thoughts about the ability of sovereigns or corporate? to issue debt in this current environment, Carl?
4: I'm not worried about sovereigns. I am worried about corporates, all right. As we get higher economic risk, borrowers are going to be demanding higher rates and that may or may not make sense for corporations to borrow at those rates. That's the nature of what's happening when central banks tighten monetary conditions. It should become harder for, uh, for corporates to uh, to borrow more. And I'm expecting that we will see a continued uh, depression or a uh, dip in the amount of new issuance that comes out the door.
0: We're going to say goodbye, Carl, but always good to see you. Thanks so much for being with us this morning. Carl Weinberg, Chief Economist at High Frequency Economics. Um, in other news, the Asian markets broadly rallying here. Let's have a look at the uh, the wall and just give you an indication of um, how hard we are rallying to the upside. The Hong Kong market, 7 tenths of 1% higher. The Australian market also up about 7 tenths of 1% with the Shanghai Composite putting on 2 tenths of 1% this hour. New Zealand central bank has hiked interest rates by a record 75 basis points to 4.25 percent and says there could be more to come the governor adrian Orr, said the bank's sole target is to get the official cash rate to a point where inflation can be worn down and that committee members can agree more tightening is needed covid cases in china are surging towards record levels beijing reported record numbers on tuesday as the capital clamps down with schools going online, restaurants, gyms and parks closing and companies ordering staff to work from home, Shanghai announced restrictions on people arriving into the city while Guangzhou extended some curbs for another week across the country. More than 28,000 new cases were documented, approaching levels not seen since Shanghai's two-month lockdown in April quick look at uh, the early opening calls here uh, they do suggest that we will see some of that positivity in Asia bleed into the European trading day
1: you were just talking about COVID you know this time a year ago here we probably would have been saying uh, let's cross out to Juliana she's worked from home today but instead we're saying uh, Juliana has the latest on the European gas crisis on location from Greece good morning to you Juliana
5: Karen, good morning. Well, not a bit bad place to be on location today. We are in Revathusa, Greece's only LNG terminal. Europe has been racing to fill up its gas storage sites ahead of winter, and it's done a pretty good job thanks to LNG. When we come back, that tanker out there is going to be arriving and docking and delivering its latest shipment of LNG. We'll be right back.
3: Right, let us move on. Uh, The European Commission has announced proposals for a gas price cap of 275 euros per megawatt hour. But this is interesting. I've I've read a bit of detail on this. It's more than double the current price the cap would come into effect here we go from january 1st if approved by eu member states it's not as simple as that it's rising to a certain level for a certain period of time before the cap comes in as well and it's beautifully done so that actually even the crisis of this summer my understanding is wouldn't have inaugurated that cap as well Mm. Mm. so it is a bit smoke and mirrors i'm afraid to not as simple as perhaps some people would like to uh, present it Now, the European Energy Commissioner, Kadri Simpson, said any price cap will create risks.
5: As um, any political decision, this proposal is a balancing act. Um, On one hand, we have the risks. On the other, the benefits of an effective shield against excessive prices that can cause um, severe hardship to our citizens and um, harm also our industry and business, or... um, can also impact the stability of the financial markets.
1: Meanwhile, the G7 should announce its price cap on Russian oil exports soon, according to a senior U.S. Treasury official. The official told Reuters that the coalition will announce a price once the EU has consulted member states. A source familiar with the discussion told Reuters that a decision could come as soon as today or tomorrow following a meeting of EU ambassadors. Well, let's get out to Juliana as uh, Greece is one of the countries that's been backing an EU-wide gas price cap. Uh, Juliana currently is, uh, as you can see, on an LNG terminal. Juliana, tell us the position there of Greece and how they feel about the changes that we're seeing to uh, the energy market.
5: Hi Karen, good morning. Well, Greece has been very quick to use its position on the coast to become a major part of the LNG import story here in Europe. Now, Europe has been racing to fill its gas storage sites ahead of this winter and it's done a pretty good job. Gas storage across the EU is now above 95%. So the EU has exceeded its target ahead of the winter, meaning that for now anyway, we have avoided a worst case scenario. And a large part of that has been because the EU has ramped up imports of LNG. They're up about 60% year to date. Now, there are two major constraints when it comes to LNG in Europe. One is import capacity and the limitations that Europe has. There are simply not enough LNG terminals like the one I'm at right now to import more LNG. So there are major projects in development across the continent. The second key constraint is supply itself. And that's where this price cap comes in. Europe is competing with countries around world but in particular in asia for a limited supply of liquefied natural gas the major exporters are the us qatar australia but because europe is known to be so desperate for lng right now they have essentially been paying through the roof so countries like greece have been advocating for a price cap an eu wide price cap to limit how high eu member states will pay for lng but other member states like germany and the netherlands have been against such a price cap for fear that it could jeopardize So yesterday, we got this big news from the European Commission. They have proposed a mechanism to put a limit on how much the EU will pay for gas. There are two conditions. One is the price level, and one is the spread. Now, to Steve's point, the price level that has been chosen by the European Commission is quite controversial, given that it is so high. I had a chance to catch up with Greece's Energy and Environment Minister, Kostas Krekas, who is supportive of a gas price cap, but he is not supportive of the level at which this price cap has been set. Take a listen.
2: We should uh, apply a price cap on natural gas because it is unreasonable for Europe to buy the most expensive gas in the world. There is no reason for this. So the markets uh, were not functioning. The markets are still not functioning well. price cap at uh, the levels that the commission is proposing is not, in fact, a price cap. So a price cap at 275 euro uh, is not a price cap. Nobody can uh, uh, can stand uh, buying gas at this uh, expensive price for a long time. Uh, we surely believe that a price cap below 200 euro between 150 and 200 euro uh, would be more realistic um, and this is what we are going to uh, to uh, to try to do, to persuade those countries that they have concerns that this could create any gas shortages, that we should put a lower price cap, because not uh, nor the society, not the, uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, industry can stand for a long time.
5: Why do you think the commission has proposed a threshold this high? Uh,
2: Because it seems that uh, there are concerns that uh, a price cap could uh, create uh, gas gas shortages to certain European member states. Uh, So, in fact, such a high price cap is not really a price cap. Mm. Uh, So, it's not going to help us to reduce gas price. On the other hand, probably it will give the uh, the signal to the markets that this is a price that Europe can buy. Uh, so it would uh, uh, bring the opposite result that, uh, than the one that we want to achieve.
0: Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.
1: Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.